we're on the book of Hebrews, and uh, yeah, a good book this is. Uh, simply put, uh, as we do a quick introduction, uh, mainly for, and, and this is interesting because Hebrews has always been kind of, uh, what's the word? Uh, based on its authorship, uh, very wishy-washy on who the author is. We really don't know exactly for sure. Uh, some say Paul, uh, others say Luke, uh, or one of the uh, close one of the close apostles. It just kind of depends. Uh, so that's still up in the air. Um, what we do know is that um, it was written in um, uh, right before AD seventy. Uh, and that is our assumption based on uh, the, the destruction of the temple, which is AD 70, and Hebrews has no mention of the destruction of the temple. So um, that is kind of our basic broad outline. Also another hint, uh, I think AD um, 64, 65 and following, uh, we see the persecution of the Jewish Christians uh, by, by Nero. Uh, so that's another uh, kind of, and this is about, this whole book is about persevering through persecution, but also about not going back to what they once believed. Does that make sense? They, they were uh, Jewish Christians, so their former life was of Judaism, right? So this is that kind of former life, beware, uh, what's the word? Uh, don't turn back uh, because it's only Christ, right? So um, there's a lot of stuff here on the introduction, I think. Um, it's interesting as I look at this book, it might be interesting to me. I don't know. Weird things interest me, you know? Anyways, I won't go there. Uh, but, <laughs> but here, uh, if you look at the book of Hebrews, a very unique uh, introduction. There's no introduction, really. It just kind of, you, you see all the other books, uh, like St. Paul, he would introduce himself as a servant of Christ or grace, mercy, and peace or something like that. But here in the book of Hebrews, it's just kind of, we, we, we would define it as a sermon, right? This is kind of like a sermon by this author who would uh, teach the people uh, that it is Christ alone and um, how relevant this is in our day and age as we too waver as we too, uh, in this time, in all parts of the world, are persecuted uh, for being Christian, and what it means to be in Christ. That is the goal of Hebrews, the letter to the Hebrews, the letter to the Jewish Christians who stand firm in the word of Christ. Uh, So uh, may this uh, word go well with you, as we will see time and time again, the emphasis on the superiority and the authority who Jesus is. Very important. Once we start failing to understand that, then it becomes what? If Jesus isn't superior, then what happens? If he's not um, number one of our faith, what happens? Well, yeah, faith in something. We always have faith in something, but we have our faith in something else. Well, if Jesus isn't the authority, well... Uh, yeah, I guess my um, good positive thoughts is my faith. Or my, or if I'm like Dave, um, I wonder what it'd be like if it's like... <laughs> uh, that, um, you know, again, we have all these other different views of faith. That's the thing, I, I thought about it. Like, I think our, and I didn't think about this until right now. I do that a lot. Uh, but, you know, the, the importance of our faith 
when we know what our faith is in Christ Jesus alone, then at the end of the day, that becomes our urgent call to, to relay this message to those around us. Now, if our faith is like, okay, Jesus is cool, but I'm a good person and all these things, then that urgency of Christ to share with your friends and neighbors might not be as, what's the word? Might not be as... Oh, wow. That's, that's a deep word, Chris. We should play some... I'm good at the ones where you... Um, my kids hate when, I, when they play with me because I do the two-letter words that connect with other words. And um, she is. She is. Yeah, Zoe, oh, my daughter. I, what would I do without her? Anyways, um, and, my, and my sons, too. That's, my daughter, she, me and her are like, just anyways. You know, when she gets married, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to be crying. It does. I can't wait. Not that she, but it's uh, a, wow. I knew I woke up kind of on the wrong side of the bed this morning. I'm a little off kilter here. But anyways, uh, Hebrews. Okay, why don't we, uh, in line with that, why don't we uh, kick in here. Um, Hebrews, uh, good, good text here. You know the key highlights of the, the faith chapter there later in Hebrews. And anyways, uh, why don't we start here uh, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Someone could read that for me. Okay, so uh, what, is, what does that mean, anyone? Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Again, this is lowercase f. Um, fathers simply meaning um, all of Israel, right? Uh, that the prophets were there to do what? To convey the message as chosen instruments of God, uh, the very word of God. Uh, prophet, right? What, and this is very important, remember, this is Jewish Christians, formerly of Judaism, a lot of past clinging to what they used to know, and that general, just like in the Ephesians, that pagan life that they once held to, how easy it is to revert back to it, here he is reminding them of the order. Why were there the prophets in the Old Testament? Again, to be chosen instruments, the word of God, but ultimately to lead them to what? The true prophet, Jesus Christ, right? Everything points to Jesus. So long ago, at many times, again, this is pointing to uh, what the Old Testament is. That is all the anticipation of, of what is to come in Christ Jesus. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now again, verse 1, if you look at your handout, um, we see right there, by the prophets, God provided prophets so that his word would be spread according to his will. And that is all pointing to Christ, that he is the true prophet. What does it mean that Jesus is the true prophet? When we say Jesus is the true prophet, priest, and king, what does that mean, that he is the true prophet? What do you think? He's the true word. Good. He's the true word. So they were... 
the Old Testament prophets were, were, um, were proclaiming the messenger of God, the word of God, but Jesus as a true prophet is that very word, right? Anything else about that, true prophet? That he is, again, when we talk about the word, in that umbrella, he is the way to God, that he is the one who reconciles us to God, that he is the fulfillment of what they were all talking about um, in the upcoming Christ, in, what he, in that anticipation from the Old Testament to the New Testament, right? So this is, um, I think, very important in the context, because if we say that the Old Testament prophets were not pointing to Christ, then for these Jewish Christians, how easy it is to revert back to simply Judaism, right? So all this is pointing to Christ. Now, as I said earlier, uh, your faith is Christ. Now, if it becomes diluted or muddled, uh, then, then we can also revert back to our own human flesh. And this is the caution uh, that he shows to us here uh, for, uh, for the Jewish Christians. Um, okay, uh, verse 2, if so could read that for me. Verse 2. But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through him, he made the universe. Okay, so, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So, Old Testament. I know in my, on my, all those online devotion videos, I have everything all written out on the board before I talk about it. But now I'm doing it the old school way, which I don't think I'll, hopefully I'll. <laughs> Old Testament. Old Testament to the New Testament. And here we see uh, the true, the prophet. It's not as organized, that's my point. To the true prophet. And that true prophet. Um, I spelled prophet wrong, sorry. Uh, that true prophet is Jesus. The Old Testament prophets were pointing to, by the very word, to the word of Christ. John 1. One to five, the word made flesh. Uh, so, so likewise, for the Jew, we don't believe in the New Testament. Even for the Christian who say what about the Old Testament? Uh, we don't need to read that, Dave. Genesis, overrated, right? Uh, Dave would say, uh, <laughs> so we are, we are studying Genesis this week, by the way, uh, just because um, Dave paid me off. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I am kidding. But with that, uh, but uh, uh, here we see the true prophet. So what we say spoken to us by his son. Prophets speak. How does God speak? He speaks through the prophets, but ultimately he speaks through the true prophet, and that is Jesus. So when we hear the word of God, friends, uh, there we are hearing the words of Jesus, the words of Christ. Yes? There's an interesting choice of words here, at least in the translation I have, which is the NIV. If you go back to the Old Testament, God spoke through the prophets. In this case, he's saying he spoke by his son, yeah. which is very, very different. So instead of the prophets of the Old Testament who spoke for God and pro- 
proclaim the message that God gave him. He's speaking directly from Jesus, and Jesus has the message. Good. So what is this saying about the true prophet? What is this saying right here in verse 2? What is the writer trying to say about the true prophet, God and the Son? What is, what is being implied here, quickly? The authority, that's right, um, that he is God. And he is exactly what God speaks. And that is shown to us through his son. Now, when, when people say in this world, uh, you know, if, if God was so loving, then why did this happen? How does this picture of God speaking through the word made flesh show you the true love of Christ? But even in the midst of all suffering, there we know the true prophet spoken to us through his son or by his son, um, and that is the word of the death and resurrection of Christ. Right? If we take the true prophet out, all we have left is just the Jews, Old Testament, no anticipation, following the laws, getting it done. But here in Hebrews, he's pointing to the greater picture, and that is always Jesus. This is how God speaks to us through the word of Christ. And there we, there we rest in that very word. So very important, as we see our notes here, uh, if someone could read Philippians 2, 9 to 11 there in the handout, if someone could read that. All right, so at the, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. So when we hear the words of Christ, what are we... What is really happening there based on his identity that is shown here? That what he says actually is from the Father, the will of the Father, but actually what he says, he actually gets done. Right? So, again, why is this so important? Because when we speak of the identity of Christ and what he has defeated and triumphed over for us, there we have our true peace. Understanding his identity is very important in a sense where when we do as superior authority, as a lamb of God who humiliated himself, suffering servant, right? There we, well, there our trust is. If we detach Jesus from God and say they're separate or Jesus is not God, there also the floor falls, falls out from us. That is our identity as children of God. It's all about Christ. So he's really imparting to the Jewish Christians, do not revert back. I know you're being persecuted, but don't revert back because you know what you have in the superior authority of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Right? And that has many applications for you all as well. Because uh, though we might not face what they were being faced with, literally being thrown to the wolves, uh, uh, Nero would blame them uh, for all the the, what is it, the, um, the fires that were happening, and it was, a, it was a misblame. It was just, it wasn't even true. And there, all these Christians were being persecuted um, in the 60-plus AD, and, and, and there, uh, it was easy to, again, revert back and say, well, I want to save my life. I want to, you know, save my being in this world. And he's saying, no, stay put, because you have the very words of life, the very words of forgiveness and uh, the very words of salvation as God speaks by the Son, right? Culmination, right? And I think Dave brought up a, a wonderful point 
uh, about through and by in a sense where this is all anticipation and this is by fulfillment. Um, so therefore, when you hear the words of Christ, even to this day and age, it's not just any word, friends, right? It's, um, it's, it's your word of life, right? That's, I can't emphasize that enough about the word of God. Like, this is everything, right? I know my wife would say school is important too for the kids, <laughs> but I always tell them, I know it is, but this faith that we have is everything, right? This is who we are uh, as we live studying hard and being the great lights of this world, all because of the true prophet and what he has done for us. Right? So this is very, uh, again, this is what he is doing here. He is addressing who our Lord is. If you do not have the right understanding of who Jesus is, then you're, you're going to be shaped by that wrong understanding. Does that make sense? If you think Jesus, if, um, if uh, Nancy thought Jesus was just a role model, simply a role model on how to achieve eternal life, then her, her shaping of her life will be all about legalism and morality. Right? But if, as we heard today in the Gospel reading, if it's about the greatest help because we cannot help ourselves, we, we flee to the true prophet in the one true faith because we know who he is. If we don't know who he is in the time of persecution, we know the parable of the sower. In, in trials and tribulations, what happens? We get caught up and we go. Right? And, and this is why the identity of Christ is so important. That's what he, the author is really laying down here and for you uh, to know that because at the end of the day, uh, you might have that in your mind. I know that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world but for me, I'm not quite so sure because my sin is so heavy. And there you go back to the identity of Christ. By the Son, God speaks. Your sins are forgiven. Identity, very important, right? Um, yeah, the world twists Jesus' identity in so many different ways. Okay, so, oh, we're not even done with that. All right, so he has spoken to us by his Son, uh, who he appointed. So now, what is it? How is, um, how is he being described here as the true prophet, but what else? In verse 2. Creator of all things. Okay. Creator or heir. All right. Anything else? I think that's it, right? Verse 2. Um, so... Creator, was Jesus there at the creation? Yes or no? Yes. Yes, yes he was. Uh, Genesis 1, spirit hovered over the waters. God creates. John 1, the word made flesh. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And this word is Christ, right? Um, he is the heir of all things. Right? What does that mean, heir? Right. So, similar to by the Son, we see right here uh, that he is the heir of all things, that he has the, because he is God, he has the authority as God. Right? Because he is God over all things. I don't, not as God. Um, so, there uh, the author is doing what about Jesus? What does this show about Jesus? Creation over all things. What does that show about him? Furtherly describing who Jesus is. That he is all powerful. That he has a creative power not only to uh, make the blind eye see or the deaf 
uh, ears hear, or the deer that leap up. Uh, uh, this is Jesus who is all-powerful. That is, he can do all things. Creation, redemption, right? Inheritor, what does that say about Jesus? Yes, God. He is, and it belongs to him. So when we look at Christ and what he has done, again, context-wise, this is that time of tension for many of the Jewish Christians. They, they were being reminded of who Jesus is. And because of who he is, there they rest in the rescue of the, the, rescue of the almighty refuge that he is for them. Right? Again, if we, if we fail to see who Jesus is, then um, we start veering off into a different path. That's why at the church, what do we do always preach? We always preach Christ. And you might tell yourself, what? I've heard that before. I know. But why do we, why do we preach it over and over again, you think? Most important thing. Most important thing. And how easy it is to forget, yeah. right? In so many different ways. Um, That's right. So we should stay here all the time. Um, <laughs> that's right. You're right, though. When we live out in the world, as I was talking to Jennifer with my own kids, I talk to them before they go to school, especially the oldest one, and I always tell him, you know, I always pray with him before he gets out of the car, uh, that God would give him the wisdom and faith to live not as of the world but in the world, um, and uh, that he may give him faith to, to proceed. So this is very important, right? Uh, the word of Christ I can't emphasize that enough. Uh, okay, so here we see who he is, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, verse 3, what does it say? If someone could read that for me, verse 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. All right, so who is Jesus here? Number one, he is the... What does it say right there? Radiance um, of the glory of God. Now, when you think of radiance, what is that? What is that word that immediately comes up? Radiate. Well, no, that's not a radiate. Yeah. Light. That's right. Illumination, right? Light. Now, why do we need light? (laughs) To see. That's right. We need light to see because we live in the dark. Um, Can I see without Christ? Of course, on the physical sense, you, you might tell yourself that. But without Christ as who he is, I cannot see. I am blind and dead and enemies of God. That's the bottom line. <clears throat> so when we talk about the radiance of the glory of God, his radiance, his, his glory is shown to us through his, through or by his son. So whenever you hear God's word and whenever you reside on who Jesus is, there you are in his light the light of truth, the light of the gospel, the light of the forgiveness of sins, that uh, he is always with you, the radiance of the glory of God. I I can't emphasize how important this is, um, especially when you know what that complete darkness looks like, 
when you see that light, when you have a power outage, let's say, I know up where we live, um, power outages are very, um, thank you, Jeff, um, are very common. So uh, when we're, um, I remember Chris came one day when our power was out, she came with cookies, and um, I don't think she knew our power was out, but it was just, she drove down that whole street, Penn Street, and it was like dark, windy and dark, like, a, like one of those haunted movies where the werewolves are coming out. You know what I'm talking about? Werewolves aren't real, but the point is, is like, it was so dark that all we did, we had our candles out, old school style, and uh, some lanterns, and uh, all we wanted was light. And when the light came on, you hear the zzzz, you know, and that's kind of that picture of radiance, is when, when Jesus came into the world, this, this life, this light, the radiance of what they were waiting for, Old Testament to the new, came to fruition, Right? Um, and that's the radiance, the light that opens our eyes to what he has come to do. Again, no other light for the Jewish Christians, only Christ, right? No other um, one who has inherited and who does all things, only Christ creator. Again, only Christ shows us his authority and power and that all things belong to him as the light. I am the light of the cosmos, el mundo, the world, right? And we see right here, should be La Tierra too, right? La Tierra? I think, I don't know, Spanish. My, Abe's studying Spanish this year. It's so fun. <laughs> it's, so, it's so cool. Anyways, uh, so uh, the exact imprint. I know uh, Nancy said the representation. But what is it about representation and imprint that I think it goes, um, what is it about an imprint? When we say imprint, exact, right? Um, have you ever been to um, a mint, coin mint, the Denver Mint? Any? Yeah. I went to Denver Mint, where they make coins, right? Every coin, well, I don't know if they're exactly the same in the sense of their date, but they all had the same. It's not like one's smiling and one's frowning. <laughs> one's winking the eye. And, oh, you got the limited edition wink eye, right, of the penny. No. It, <laughs> <laughs> it's like we should have emoji coins anyways it, but the point is is that it is the exact imprint of God so what does that mean is that what you see in Jesus is God and what that means their implication is this is who uh, your sa- savior is and he is with you and, and, and you know his very word this is not just an, uh, like a, a b-side or an alternative uh, 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 copy or uh, uh, you know, it's not like buying Kraft macaroni and cheese and best value macaroni and cheese from Walmart, you know. It's actually the exact same imprint um, of, of the nature of our God. Now, again, when we talk about Jesus and we talk about God, that, that brings out so much about Jesus. That in a sense where God loves us so much, that here in Christ, in that imprint, he shows us his grace, that he would come into the flesh to die for the sins of the world. Again, another description of Christ, that he ultimately does what in that imprint? He fulfills the Father's will, even though he knows of his impending death, he still goes for it, because it's all about of who he is as the imprint, right? He, that's why he's faithful. That's why he doesn't sin. That's why he is holy. And because of it, he is, of that imprint, your acceptable sacrifice to God. So there's a lot of assurance here. 
with these descriptions as the author is trying to emphasize to them, don't turn away because this is what you have, right? Um, and trust me, that could be applied to us in our daily life as well. Um, so many different ways, yes? Just a real quick one. If you tie this together with just a very simple saying that Jesus had found in the Gospels, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. So that goes right back to what the author of Hebrews is trying to put across here. Yeah, because I, I think when we talk about imprints, if I worked at the Denver Mint, they had this gold bar in this glass, in this... And there's a security guard sitting right there, too. Like this. So anyways, but, you know, as an imprint of coins, let's say we're all imprinters of coins, we're not looking at everyone and saying, oh, is it the right imprint? We, we already know it is, right? Like, there's no doubt uh, that this is the imprint that comes from the same stamp, right? And, and when we talk about, uh, as Dave said, uh, about uh, from the Father to the Son to the Word, there we have our assurance, and forgiveness, um, and our certainty, right? Okay. Um, And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. The word. His dynamis, his power, right? Um, Again, it kind of goes back to here, right here, and who Jesus is. That as the all-encompassing word, this is what your word has done for you. And he has died, and ultimately he rises by the power of the resurrection to give you life in his name. Again, we're not done yet here with all these descriptions, but if what is, and I'm going to kind of bring this back to present day, but if we fail to see these descriptions of Jesus, what is the, most, what is the worldly view of Jesus? What, what does a world view Jesus as? I guarantee they're not saying these things, Right? But what is the world's perception of who Jesus is? A good man, a teacher. And that's pretty much where the line is um, drawn, right? Now, what does a good teacher, good man imply for anyone who is a, of the world or a non-believer? What does that say about Jesus? He's doing the work himself. He's not God, the world will say. Um, that kind of reduces Jesus to the same status as Confucius or right, yeah. any of these other... So in light of that, what happens to being with God? What happens to, do you know you have eternal life? What happens to, are you, are you forgiven of your sins? What happens to that if Jesus becomes Confucius or any other world religion god. You don't have any surety at all. Yeah. And it's all about not what we do for God, but rather what he does for us. And this is what he does for us. That in his identity, we, we not only see what he does for us, but have that surety and assurance that we are children of God, redeemed by his blood, washed in our baptism, fed his body and blood at the altar. It it all is because of this, right? All-powerful. Word, his power upholds. Creator, right? That's why we believe in what baptism does. That's why we believe in what 
the Lord's Supper is. We do it weekly by week because it's not because it gets tiresome and old because we very well know that this is the power of God by his promise that this is where he promises to be with us. And there we feed because we know who he is, right? That's why uh, we do what we do because he is the upholder of uh, this world by his word of power. Okay, also what's next? After making what? What does it say right there? Purification of sins. Does Don need to be purified of his sins? Yes, yes. he does. <laughs> Thank you for your enthusiasm. <laughs> Love the tone, Carrie. Love the tone. Uh, so confident in that. Yes, he is. Uh, yeah. um, uh, we all do, right? Purification of sins. Uh, the gospel, forgiveness. This is who your Jesus is. So why is it so important again? When I say I believe in Jesus, this is what should be going out in your heart and mind, right? Not just Jesus is a good teacher, he was a good guy, he is my best friend, and I'm going to follow him and commit my life to him. No, Jesus, Jesus, he's a creator, heir, radiance of God, imprint, exact of God's nature, word that upholds by his word, his power, the purification of my sins, and that is my forgiveness. This is the depth of Christ. And um, how important the, the author really lays it out for the Jewish Christians as they are on that, on that tension of, well, maybe I should revert back to what I used to believe. This persecution is tough. Maybe we should go back. And again, what is there to go to when this is everything that you need? Does that make sense? Like, it, I mean, even in the day that we're living with COVID and all this stuff that we're doing, I know I kind of didn't, I didn't do full force in my sermon about fear, but it's so easy to be caught up in that where at the same time we forget who our Lord is for us and how we by his work are under his name by his blood, how we forget the comfort of all that Jesus has brought to the table, the pur purification for our sins, right? We just said, Dave joked before we recorded, oh, this is his last year. And Dave said, last year, what do you mean? I'm like, last year of seminary, right? Uh, but we, and, and we continue to say, well, we don't know when we all are going to go. But as we dwell upon the identity of Christ, it's not a matter of when, because we are already there. That's what shapes us, is the identity of Christ and what he has done. That's what shapes you and molds you to live your life the way you do, because you're already on an eternal timeline right now. And whenever that time may come, this is, this is who we are in Christ Jesus. So to study this is very important because it gets you back to what is true and what has set you free, right? Um, yeah, be, be on guard with that, by the way, about what shapes you. Because a lot of times we, we forget what shapes us. And when our flesh starts shaping us, we see how we start thinking, we see how we start conducting ourselves, and we see ourselves disbelieving time and time again as the devil is there. When we get back to Christ, it's like, oh yeah, that's right. I am shaped by the death and resurrection of my Lord. And my life is in his name. Why am I fretting over the things of the world? 
Why do I let it consume me when I know who I am? I will never leave you nor forsake you. His word is power. And there we live in the purification of sins. This is that constant tension that the Jewish Christians face, but that we all face today as well, right? Um, yes. Okay, last one here. Uh, we, I know we're not done yet here, but it says, uh, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What does that mean? Where do we see in the Apostles' Creed this very word? Sat down at the right hand of God? That's right. What is the right hand, right hand of God? It is the ascension. The ascension, right? What does the ascension show us about Jesus? That not only does he sit at the right hand of God, but that he has the divine authority to be where he wants. We've talked about this before, right? So when you take communion on, on uh, Sunday, uh, it's not just... Uh, a ritual, but rather it is the true body and blood. How do we know? Because he assumes all power at the right hand of God, and that's why we go. We're not going to church to do something. We're going to church to receive. We're just passively receiving the gifts. That's That's why we go to church this morning, to receive from the power of God, from the right hand of God, as God assumes all authority over all the world, and he promises to be where he is, even in this seemingly minuscule wafer and wine that we bought at Ralph's. I think that's where Michelle buys it. I think at Ralph's. But, or Bevmo. Or wherever it may be. But the point is, is that it's by the power of God and His Word sitting down at the right hand of God that He has conquered and that He has the divine authority to do what He wills. And that is of great assurance. Because when you take that communion, you are actually forgiven of your sins right then and there and you can now go in peace as we sang the Song of Simeon, Right? Very important. Um, all right. Oh, it's almost time. That's right. The Jensen's are here. Um, okay. So, um, <laughs> oh, was that funny? Oh, I guess. I didn't mean to be. Anyways, um, verse four. Why don't we go there? So, we could read that for me. All right, so angels, uh, we know in the Old Testament the angels uh, did many things. Uh, They guarded, they protected. Uh, We see also in the New Testament, uh, we see uh, Gabriel, we see Michael. Um, But why does he bring up angels here, you think? Angels are, in essence, created beings. Why is Jesus and... Angels being compared here. What is the compare and contrast? What is the point of more excellent uh, than theirs or than angels? Why is this so important? Created beings. Is Jesus created? Why is it important that Jesus is not created? Why is that important? Is that a good question? Because angels aren't God, right? So if Jesus was created, which many world religions believe, even false teaching in the church, and the, you know, we talk about the creeds, it was all the idea that Jesus was created after the fact. If that is the case, what does that imply 
about everything. That he is not God. If he is not God, he is not all these things. If he is not all these things, then your salvation is futile, your faith is foolish, and you have nothing, you have no life at all, no hope at all, right? So here we see Jesus being compared to created beings, and, he's, and the author is doing what? He is saying that Jesus is what? Superior. Um, and is more excellent than theirs. So, though the world might not talk about angels and Jesus in that comparison, I think when we go back to the Jesus is a good teacher, that Jesus was a good man that walked the earth and did many things, many believe that he was simply uh, just a man, right? Uh, created by God, just a man, not the Savior, not God. And, and here again, for the Jewish Christians, why is this important for them to know? Because if Jesus is not God, of course, they will revert back to Judaism, right? See, so you see kind of this, this push for the identity of Christ as the one true God, because if he's not the one true God, well, what's the point? I'm just going to go back to what I know, because that's my natural inclination anyway. That's my background as, a, as one who studied or who believed in Judaism, let's say. And for them, uh, of course. So here he is really defining the line of who Jesus is, and he's really pouring it on in a sense of not only the characteristics that we see here, but now comparing to uh, created beings, and that is of angels. Um, Verse 5, again, with angels. If someone could read that for me. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. All right. So, uh, for to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Oh, can you read a little more right there? Uh, oh, it's, on, it's in the Bible. Here, I'll read it. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. So, what is being brought up here? About Jesus as created being, is he? Answer is no. But what about the comparison to father and son? Connected, right? Um, yeah, if you have children, you know, your son, uh, related. You see the, the features. Uh, they might be taller than you now. Very humbling. <laughs> My wife's like measuring Abe last night on the wall. And she's like, come over here and it, let's... Uh, I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> We're not doing that today. <laughs> They're all laughing. I'm not doing that. I think my son is uh, taller than me. Anyway, so but the point is, is that uh, I'm shrinking, you know. Anyways, uh, I'm back. Anyways, uh, but father and son. This is a- another. Jesus doesn't. The Lord doesn't say that to angels, right? And that's the father-son relationship that is unique to Christ. Um. That's why Jesus does what he does, because his life is always about the Father and the will to be done. Right? Again, tantamount his death and resurrection. And, and, and here we see another comparison of why Jesus is so only Christ and only unique. 
that he is of the Father, that he is uh, begotten from the Father, and there, who else is called the Father to the Son? Only Christ, right? So this all is very important, because if he is not the Son, then again, our faith is just in, it's just, there's, there's nothing. Uh, there's no death and resurrection either, if Jesus is not God, Right? Carrie can't die for the sins of the world. I mean, she could try. Neither can I. We could try, be valiant, but we just can't because we are sinners. We're not sent from God to do that very thing, right? So, again, another comparison with angels, the identity of Christ, and how all of this should bring you great comfort. That daily you live in all that Jesus is, the victorious life in the midst of the tension of the flesh, and there you go back to the characteristics of Christ and what he has done for you. A lot of application here, the context of persecution that they're dealing with, this is their life. Right? Whoever gains the world but loses his soul, what profits a man, right? I said that all out of order, but you know what I mean. And this is what he is telling them. You might revert back, but this is what you're turning from. And um, that's why the word that you hear, friends, is so important, time and time again, because we know that tension as well. But when we hear the words of Christ, this is the floodgates that come out. We're like, aha, that's right. I am forgiven of my sins. I am purchased and won for redeemed by the body and blood of Jesus because he is God and all these characteristics of who Jesus is. And this brings you that great victory and comfort as you live the Christian life. Okay. Um, I know we didn't go over it to... Oh, verse 6. We'll, we'll just close here. Verse 6, so I could read that. Um, and again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. All right. So as the Son of God, right? Uh, what do we see? What do we sing uh, at the birth of Christ? Uh, we sing uh, the song of glory to God in the highest, don't we? The angels, Luke chapter 2, in your notes, that reference... Right? Uh, the shepherds in the field, and they see uh, the angels singing, all the hosts saying, Glory to God in the highest. Now, to, to whom, to in whom he is pleased. I always get that one. The grammar on that's tough for me to remember. But uh, what were we saying here? What were we on? Um, the angels are singing. Yes, yes, the angels are singing. And why is this important? Why is it the angels that are singing important when Jesus comes to the world? Because they are worshiping the Lord for who he is as the Savior of the nations. Again, giving them the distinction that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That Jesus is to be worshipped because he is God. And that's why the angels worshipped him in Luke chapter 2. Uh, when this good news was being spread forth, the shepherds would go to their towns and share this good news as well. So, I know when we say Jesus, people say, I already know who he is. And I, I don't doubt that you know who he is. But to see, like, the depth of who he is, this is just a little sliver of who he truly is. And that's why we study the word. Because there we're back to Christ and who he is for us. His nature, his work, and his promise. 
So um, any, any question on that? Any questions on that? Pretty clear? Somewhat? Foggy? Overcast? Important. The angels are usually with God in heaven, but then when Jesus was born, they had seen him and been with him up in heaven, but now they see him come to earth. It is really cool. <laughs> that's right. That's what I'd say. I'd be like, dude, that's so cool. If I was in that field. Anyways, uh, but uh, uh, again, w- w- the, the key point before we close, we're already out. I know we should be out. Is when you hear the word of Jesus, this is what should be going on in your mind. I know that's a lot, but that's why we study the word. Because this is all of who he is as the writer of Hebrews is showing us. When I say I believe in Jesus, this is everything. And that should bring you great comfort. Anyways, why don't we close uh, with a word of prayer. Dear Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for your word. Uh, bless us uh, in, our, uh, in the faith that you have given to us in Christ Jesus. And Lord, through all things, as we face uh, the constant battle in this world, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us as we trust and cling to who Jesus is for us. Bless us and comfort us and grant us your great joy as we live in your mercy. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Bible study presentation from Faith Lutheran Church in Moore Park, California. For more information, visit us on the web at faithmoorpark.com.